0: Gary, Gary. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Having a good week? <laughs> well, that, that's a good thing. Um, so, so thankful for my church. I love you guys. Um, had some good conversations this last week, and um, well, we're going to jump right in here. We've been in this uh, the series on the basics. Um, always good to get back to the basics. Um, anything that we do. Um, Know, play guitar, if you, if you go for a run or a hike, sometimes it's good to go back to the, the basics. Go back to maybe some hikes that you've been on before and, and you go through them and you, you realize how far you've come. Um, you realize uh, what you know. Um, and, and you realize eh, maybe some areas that need some tweakage, uh, some work. So going through the basics is always a good thing. We may come back to it again some other time. Um, but we're going to spend some time this morning. Our title is Toward. Um, you'll notice that some of these, these titles are kind of coming from um, definitions of worship um, that we see in Greek and Hebrew. Um, Toward is our title. And the big ask this morning is, who is worship for really? You know, when we give a gift, do you know that the gift is not really for us? Have you noticed that? You know, I mean, Christmas is coming up, and, and you give a gift. It's not like, oh, look what I gave you! Woo! You know, does does that hit anybody here? Uh, I mean, may, maybe you like love giving gifts, so it does it does give you a like warm fuzzy, and you feel good about giving to people. And there's there's something about being a part of that that joy that they might get from like like with kids when they when they open something for their birthday or for just some gift, you know, that you just give them. And they get to tear open the paper, and then they play with the box more than the thing you gave them. Um, <laughs> but there, there is that sense of, of joy that you might have, but the gift, giving, is not really for the giver. It's the joy of giving, yes, but the gift is not for the giver. That's what I meant. Um, This really translates when we look at the gifts that are given to the body. The gifts that are given to the body, spiritual gifts, are not really for that person that they're given to. They're for the body. They're for the people that, you know, we've we've talked about how like with healing. Healing given to a person, um, when they're praying over somebody and that healing happens in somebody's life, it's not really for the person that's praying for them. Though we get the joy of being a part of that process, the healing is for the person that's being prayed for. And for the edification of the body. Amen. Got a couple of furrowed brows. Think about. Um, I've been I've been thinking about uh, like when kids are giving gifts. Um, there's these sweet little moments when they when they share with you. You know, like like that moist cookie that they want to give you. There are times where what we're giving. Um, I'm sure when we, when we go before the Lord and we're giving our gifts to the Lord, there's a little bit of that, you know, putting something on, on his, his refrigerator, like, oh, this is so beautiful. Um, <laughs> a couple magnets, you know. Um, God's got a big refrigerator, because, you know. Um, but, but there is something about how, it, there's this innocence that you see in kids when they're giving, um, that I think we as believers need to emulate. Um... Just that joy of just laying it out there and not really expecting anything. Laying it out there because it's joy-filled to do that thing, but it's not necessarily that you're doing it to receive anything. Does that make sense? Random thinking about gift-giving. But um, l- this morning, let's, let's, let's pray for God's revelation as we get into his word. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for how your word can unpack and unwrap and unfold in our hearts and become bigger than what, uh, what we just read on the page. Your word is living. Your word brings life. Your word transfers through us in a gift to other people. God, there's so much to your word, and we are so thankful for it. We're thankful that your spirit enlivens that word in us and in those that are, are yet to believe, God. And we pray for that today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um. I, I, I've heard people say this before, and th- there's nothing biblical to this necessarily, but when people say they have a life verse, have you heard that before? They have a verse that they kind of, they, they hold on to and say yes and amen, and that's, I'm gonna hold on to that as a, as a um, promise for me or a, as um, something for my life. I, like, like Kelly would be Romans uh, one eight, Um and you wanna chime in? Nope. Um, was that the right one? Yeah, um, and, and in Romans 1, 1 8, it, it talks about how um, for is the power of God, and um, to all those that believe, um, look it up. I, at the moment, my brain's just flighting on me. Um, I have a couple, though, I, and, and one's um, probably some of yours. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 um, is one of mine, and uh, yeah, and, um, but the other one that's one of mine is, is um, I kind of consider it like my, my, um, my focus for worship. Um, And it's it's Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, this lifestyle that we live. I guess that's maybe a better way to put it. It it is um, talking about worship, but it's talking about this lifestyle. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And that can read brothers and sisters. The actual um, original um, has kind of a a gender-neutral meaning, uh, but they do translate it as brothers. So it's brothers and sisters. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This section of Romans is, is a response to the immense grace Uh, that's displayed for the first uh, 12 chapters of this letter of Paul. There's this immense grace, and it's this response to that grace uh, that's brought about. And our first point this morning is we worship God because of his mercy. We worship God because of his mercy. When we identify that mercy being given to us, it, it does something in us. That gift being given to us does something in us. And it kind of starts a cycle in our lives um, that we turn around and we give the gift that He's given us to do anyway, that gift of worship. we worship Him. Um, in, in Romans 5:36 through 39 says, "But God shows His love for us, and then while that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Have you ever given a gift to someone that you you feel like they absolutely don't deserve it? you ever done that? It's a different feeling, isn't it now it, you know it, there, there's something about like it when you when you give that gift when you give a gift to somebody that doesn't deserve it um, there's kind of a hope in there there's a little bit a little um, sliver of hope in there that they'll understand that they don't deserve it. That it will challenge them or or change them a little bit. How do they respond usually if you give them a gift that you feel they don't necessarily deserve? How do they they respond, do you think? God gave us the gift of love, this, this gift of love to us through Jesus and even though We did not deserve it. He gave it to us anyway. That's mercy. Though we didn't deserve it, he sent Jesus. Though we didn't deserve it, there was a cross. Though we didn't deserve it, there's a resurrection and the promise of the resurrection to come. as far as the gift-giving or the gift-receiving, or both? Yeah. Our mindset does factor into all of that. Our mindset it also factors into how we worship. It doesn't factor into who, necessarily, because who we are putting our worship to is God. Um, I, I guess if you, if you look at it as, for those that are yet to believe, who we worship or what we worship does factor into that, because we'll We'll probably pick up some idol of some kind. Even in this day and age of science, money's an idol. Our job can be an idol. Um, But if you really look at it, Psalm 51 um, says says this, um, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you do not despise. So I guess in some respects, you know, um, we, we give a, when I say giving a gift of worship, it, it, it's not like that puts us in some really, oh, look at us, we're giving this gift of worship. But, but there is a sense that God gave us the abilities to do this so that we can turn around and give them back. And that's a gift, Yes? If you give something to someone, it's a gift. And, and there are moments in Scripture where it talks about this, this, um, this aroma that, that comes up to him. And, and we pray that it's, it's a, it's a sweet-smelling aroma of our worship, not a stinky aroma of our worship, right? But when we come before the Lord and we give a, a joyful noise, it does not say that we have to give a perfect noise, but a joyful noise... So those of you that say, oh, I can't sing, or I can't play an instrument, it doesn't matter. It's a joyful noise, right? When we give that up to God, he receives it as a gift. Our sacrifice, our, our tithe, and all of that are worth nothing without a broken and contrite heart. A heart that recognizes that we don't deserve the mercy that we've been given. And yet, it's been given. And yet, he loves us. And yet, Jesus. So powerful. God is always worth it. Always worth it. He's worthy and he deserves the gift, this gift of ourselves. Um, had a pastor that tell a story about this little church that was um, uh, on the edge of a reservation. And in this little church, um, they, they would have occasionally, they would have um, a native come in and be a part of the service. And there were some that were a part of that body But this one, this one morning, the the pastor was speaking, and this, they they were having um, communion, and they were they they were having um, uh, at at this one point, they uh, there was a a native uh, gentleman that was sitting in the back, um, and he he was new, he hadn't been there before, and they get to the offering, and um, and he had been listening, and um, and was was just sitting there and they, they passed the offering plate down and he, he just sat there looking at it. And the pastor was watching this and, and he, he took it out into the middle of the aisle and he set it down on the floor and he stepped into it. He's like, what else can I do? I have nothing. And I think that that is the sacrifice that matters to God. That is the heart that matters to God. Yes, all of these other things, you know, it's good to get to that place where we're tithing, because that's an obedience thing, right? It's good to get to that place where we're singing at the top of our lungs, and you know, if we raise our hands, or or if we help the needy, if we go and feed people at Lighthouse, or or we we pack these lunches for these kids at the schools, those are all great, important things, but if our heart is not in that place of contrite brokenness. If we do not have love, all of ourselves, all of ourselves. The music part of this is great, and and I, I love it just as much as anybody else. But the wor- worship is not just this. Worship is not just slides and the guitar and the piano and and. Christmas trees and lights and you could stand out on a parking lot and join hands and sing I exalt thee with no instruments and with a contrite heart it is going to be that sweet aroma to God. To give when we hold back it doesn't affect God. Can you see that? If we hold back our gifts or we hold back our singing or we hold back our tithe or we hold back whatever it is, fill, you know, insert into blank, it does not affect God. It shorts us on our relationship with God. If we think that we're shorting anybody else, we're, we're mistaken. It only shorts us. A very basic view of this is, is um, the marriage relationship. We see the marriage relationship in Scripture a lot, and it talks about the body, you know, being the bride of Christ. We see that. But, it, but talking about the marriage relationship and the thought that, we, uh, that how much we, we should give to this relationship. I, th- I think the world has entered into what the marriage relationship is and should be far too much because the marriage relationship is not a 50-50 relationship. You've heard that, right? Are you giving your 50%? Because I'm giving my 50%. Let's look at that as a grade. What's a 50% grade? Failing. We're to give 100% to that relationship. We're to give our all. If, if divorce is on the table, it's not giving your all. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on, on anybody that's had a divorce. I'm not saying that. It's talking about putting ourselves in that place where we're only giving this percentage when we should be giving, stepping into the, the plate, right? That's all I got. This is everything I have, and it's yours. I think part of it is we, when we look at this world, it's a selfish world, Right? And and our selfishness kind of rises up and we have to push it down because we we want to make sure our needs are taken care of. But again, the gift is not necessarily for the giver. But there is so much benefit when you give and they give. Because ultimately, if you give without the expectation that your needs are going to be met in a marriage relationship, what happens? Their needs are met. What do they do? They meet your needs. So our relationship with God is similar to this in the sense that we give our all because you know what? Ultimately, God's given our, <laughs> everything we have already. We give 10% and a tithe. Where do we get the other 90? Now, if you say, okay, well, I went to work and I, I did this and I got a paycheck and I went to the bank. Okay, where did this whole system come from? God. And he's already given his all. He's given to meet our needs. We can't really meet God's needs, but, but we can give our all, right? Exponential relationship. You know what exponential is, right? I, I mean, I, I'm not a big, huge fan of math either, but, but exponential I get. I get that whole, you know, you, you got the little number at the top over here and it's like totally multiplying it and you, you see like, if you go and you graph it, it's this, it's this thing that just takes off, right? It's not a straight line. It's, it's something that starts with very little and it just exponentially grows. So you've heard that, you get that idea? It's an exponential relationship with Jesus. We cannot outgive God in this relationship. And I'm not talking about just tithing. I'm talking about I'm talking about when we give of ourselves, we cannot outgive God. We can't even come close. It's an ever increasing relationship. John 4 um, 23 through 24 it's this discussion this this Strange and awkward discussion because it's it's Jesus with this this woman that comes to the well, right? And it's just the two of them there. And she's a Samaritan woman, right? And we know about the Samaritans how how Jews felt about the Samaritans. They would go around this area of Samaria if they had to get from one side to Jerusalem. Or they, they would go around it. They would not go through unless it was really necessary. And they're in in her town, and he's sitting here talking to her, and she's like surprised and shocked. What? You're a Jew, and you're talking to me? And in this relationship, this conversation, um, he gets to this place where he says in 23, but the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Number three, we worship God in spirit and truth. So what the heck does that mean? Right? I mean, I'm I'm sure that she was sitting there going, what, what? Some of her questions, you can kind of see that. You can kind of sense that she's trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about. Would this mean that that before Jesus said this, that, that worshipers were not honest? I mean, is that the case, or... Or is it just exemplifying something that, that we weren't getting? Was it because the Spirit had not been poured out? I don't think so. Truth is more about a heart. It's more about the heart than ritual. The people of God would be uh, more about ritual and less about relationship. Less about the relationship with God, the God that loved them. Ritual had gotten to that place where it mattered more. Sincerity might be the word we would understand better than honesty. Being sincere, being authentic. Are you sincere with your worship of God? Are you authentic? Are you who you are? If you're broken, if you're, if you're hurting, do you come to God with that hurting and just, God? Or are you like, hey, I'm good at church and then you go home and be broken at home? The world is really good at masks and unfortunately the church has gotten really good at it too and to be honest, this is the best place in koinonia, in in fellowship, To be real. To be honest with your pain. Be honest with your joy. Because that is... If we're broken and we're hurting, that's the only way that we can heal. If we're not honest about those things with somebody. If sin has got a hold on us, not being honest about it is just pushing off the inevitable. Because anything that's been hidden, it says in the word it won't be hidden. It will be made known. Same thing with pain. Unfortunately what happens is usually when it's made known, um, it's when you've been stressed out so much that, you know, some people have had heart attacks because of it. Or, or you have a breakdown, or, or you just suddenly yell at somebody that's a friend of yours because you just have gotten to the end of it and you're so overwhelmed. But when we're honest, even coming into worship with that honesty, look at the Psalms, the Psalms. There's, there's a huge chunk of Psalms that are laments, and that's not a kind, of, kind of meant. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It laments are something where you're like, God, why is this happening? This hurts. That's okay. We, we, get, we got examples of people that wrestled with God. I mean, God could make any MMA guy look completely weak. And, and we got somebody that's, that's wrestling with him. I I don't know about you, but I've had these times where I've had shaking fist prayers at God. Have you ever had that? Where you're like, God, why? Am I the only one? Really? Seriously? (laughs) Those shaking fist prayers are some of the most formative in my life. Those times where I'm hurting and I'm crying out to God have been some of the most foundational times with the Lord because they're honest and they're real and they're relational. Rather than, I have such joy with you, Lord. That's not a bad thing. I'm just saying if you just are doing this, but inside you're just torn up, hit your knees. It's okay. Somebody will hit their knees with you. Spirit is more about the depth of our worship worship of a living God God may not be um, made up of the the physical stuff that we are in our, our world is made up of although God the God that spoke everything into being all matter all people everything our God has a powerful impact on the physical realm wouldn't you agree to worship in spirit is to worship God with every single fiber of our being, what he's created us to be, who he's created us to be. Our emotions can be a part of that. I know that there's danger of emotionalism. and I'm not talking about that. But there's also a danger of being devoid of emotion if we avoid it. Do you want to be devoid of emotion? Do you think that God wants us to be devoid of emotion? God is emotional. Is he not? God has gotten angry. (laughs) And people had to pray to keep him from wiping the board and starting over. Thank you, God, for not wiping us out when we frustrate the heck out of you. To worship Him with our emotions, our physical being, our resources, our heart, our mind, our focus, and everything else that can, can be presented toward. That's why the, the idea of this worshiping toward, um, proscunio, a uh, Greek word for um, that is translated sometimes into worship or praise, is this idea of prostrating. But it also, one of the, the words in there is, um, one of the phrases in there is to kiss. And that's also where you get that toward. There's a towardness in, in worship. So, so if there's something about um, our life, whatever it might be, if we take and we present it toward the Lord, whether it is the good stuff, whether it is the things that we, we do out of obedience, um, if it's toward, it's worshiping God, right? To, to go toward the Lord with our, our brokenness, go toward the cross with those things that, that are just aching inside of us can be part of our worship. But how awesome it is to go through those things, to walk through those things and get to that place where we can be thankful for what he's taken us through because that's where we start to have the praise. We see those psalms that are about praise, those psalms that that are, are lifting up our God for what he has delivered us from but to remember that we can still lift up those things we're hurting for. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Being an imitator is the ultimate form of discipleship. You know, we, we, um, there's kind of a phrase in, in, in art that is repeatedly a, attributed to different artists um, that... Uh, uh, imitation is the greatest form of compliment. Um, I've heard it different ways. Um, right. And, and you see this in, in songs, because there's a lot of songs that, that sound the same, <laughs> right? Even in our worship. I mean, you can go back 500 years to some of the, some of the hymns. These are, these are old bar songs that they changed the words to, right? And they changed the words a few times to the same tune because there's sometimes you're like, which one is this again? <laughs> this has got eight verses in it and, and it's the same tune. Um, it made it easier to remember them. But there's nothing new under the sun anyway. Um, but it is, being, being that imitator, if we imitate Jesus, if we imitate those that have gone before us, we imitate those godly people that have gone before us It's it's that, that beginning of discipleship, right? It's the middle of discipleship. It's the end of all discipleship. Because ultimately that's what we need to be is imitators of Christ. And we imitate those that are following after Christ. And we ask people that are following after us to imitate Christ. And they're gonna look at us and see, who is Christ in you? What are you imitating? Who are you imitating? Here. There's an old Jewish saying about um, that, that a student of a particular rabbi um, that desires t- um, to learn everything they can um, should follow so closely that rabbi that they are covered in the dust of their rabbi. I've always loved this idea, the, imagining the disciples walking along the road, this dusty road, and, and they're, they're following so closely to Jesus that the dust that he's kicking up on the road is covering them. It's such a cool idea. and it, um, This thought is, this is a thought I have when, I, when I'm looking at worshiping toward. I, I'm worshiping toward Jesus. I'm trying to get close to, to Jesus. I'm going toward Jesus in all of these things, in in agony or or, or in the, the greatest times with the Lord. I'm trying to get close to him that I can be covered in that intimacy that comes with being covered by the dust of my rabbi. Covered by the dust of Jesus. And I think no matter where that is in our life that if we're we're in pain In brokenness, in in contrition, or or we're celebrating, whatever it is, when we get to that place where we're we're recognizing all of this is worship, all of this can be given to the Lord, then we're getting closer to Jesus. And I, I would just invite you to think of that idea of toward, and think about in your life, who or what are you imitating? And how can you shift that from what the world is imitating to imitating Jesus? Let's set our things aside. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you for who you are to us. We thank you, God, that we can come before you with with our our praise and our, our love and all of the good things. But God, we are so thankful that we can come before you with the difficulties that this life brings, with the pains, with, with our struggles, with, with our distractions. Whatever it is, God, we can come before you and lay it before you. Lay it toward you. We exalt you, God. We exalt you for, for who you are in our lives and, and all that you are to us.